Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right, we're going to jump right in because we do have, we do call this fifth Sunday of the month Encounter Sunday. And really all we've done has taken that fifth Sunday and tried to create a different environment, if you will, to just give you an opportunity to just press in a little bit more to God. Uh, we don't try and create it in a sense that will make anybody feel awkward or stand out, but we just know that sometimes we can get into a routine. Church can be routine. Church activity can be routine. Our spiritual disciplines, if you will, can be routine. So what we want to do during Encounter Sunday is just we shorten the front end a little bit. We'll shorten the message a little bit. Maybe we'll go back into worship at the end and give you a chance just to press in. We'll say it this way now. Give you a chance to stretch. Come on, everybody still has a rubber band. Get your stretch just a little bit there. Thank you for those. Still, I know people have used them for hair ties and tie bags and help kids and all kinds of stuff. There's one lady two weeks ago when I said that, hey, he's got the rubber band on. One lady after church came to me and showed me her spoon. And I thought that was a little weird, but okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Look at it. I know you guys just pulled it out right now. Okay, there you go. Uh, so thanks for stretching a little bit with us. And we create that environment, that moment. For you just, to, just to go beyond your norm with God, just step, it, step into another place with him. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But I wanted to encourage you, the last two weeks we've talked on just a, a really great subject on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I hope you've had a chance to either be here or catch those online. And if you haven't, even if you've been here for those two, go back and listen to them again and again. And I think it just will help feed you and build you up. Um, and the importance of having a relationship with the person and power of the Holy Spirit. A core belief here at Tree of Life, we're just trying to either dig some new wells for some of you in that, or redig the wells that maybe the world has thrown some dirt and debris in there. And so that's kind of what we're doing in this whole series. Um, last week in particular, we talked about the power of the heavenly language, the importance of it. I hope we dispelled some myths and some controversy, if you will, some misunderstandings. And so I want to encourage all of you just to go back again and dive into that. Keep pressing into that relationship through that experience. It just, it's, a, it's a difference maker for sure. And so today, I want to I look at some, something today that was on my heart about something that can easily become routine for us, or maybe we don't really understand it or understand it in, in its entirety. And so that is the Lord's Supper, communion. You might know it by communion. Um, I know it's become something that can be a, a ritual, a tradition, a practice, and I don't think God ever intended it for, to, for it to be that way. And just over time, and we get familiar with things, things can become commonplace to us. And I think it's important to go back into the scripture and find out really the, the intention and the purpose of it to refresh ourselves a little bit. Um, maybe it's going to be clearing some of the debris uh, that the world has thrown on that, where it's just become tradition. Maybe it's going to be digging a well for the first time. So I want you to dig in with me this morning. So let's go ahead and, and get your Bibles out. Let's take a start here this morning in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. What I want to do today, and when we look at the communion of the Lord's Supper, the table, and I'll read the scripture in just a moment that will set us up, I want us to look through a different lens. It's like looking in a room, we're just going to look from a perspective from a different window now. We're going to look in the same room we've seen from a different window, and hopefully we'll see some things uh, according to the purpose and power of communion or the Lord's table. And so here we'll start in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Let me read it for you. For I received from the Lord, this is, this, I received from the Lord that, that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took the bread. They're only upper room for the Last Supper, if, you'll, if you're familiar with that at all, all. All the disciples in the room for the Last Supper. <clears throat> it says this in the next verse. It says, and, and when he, Jesus, had given thanks, he, Jesus, broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25 says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, Keyword. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
for as often as you eat this bread, and let me say, keep saying as often as you do it. I know some places do it on the first Sunday of every month. Some do it on the first Wednesday. Some do it every week. Some do it once a year, maybe Easter or Christmas. Or There's no really set way of timing that you should do it. But the Bible says when you do it, it's, saying, it's not saying don't do it. When you do it, you'll decide, and I think it'll be clear when we finish the message today, keep some things in mind. For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You're talking about experiencing his power and, and the purpose behind what's happened. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And I think what he's saying here is if you don't really understand what this is all about, you're going to miss out on the benefit of it or what's intended for it to do. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. You're missing it. You're not getting all that you can get. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if you would judge yourselves, we would not be judged. If we would judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. And so, again, what I want you to take away from there is talking about the Lord's table, the bread representing the body of Jesus, the blood representing, the, uh, I'm sorry, the wine, if you will, or the, in our sense, the grape juice, representing the blood of Jesus. He says, you need to really remember what this is all about. Understand the purpose of it all so you can walk in everything God intended, not just the purpose, but the power of it. Otherwise, it just becomes routine to us, and we really miss out on what he always intended. And I think that's kind of where it's easy for us to fall into. There's so much more found in this experience, if you will, that I want to share with you today. It's important that we find the power of the Lord's table. Let me say it this way. It's important we find the power of the cross because that's what it's really expressing. Amen? It's expressing everything that happened in the cross. Let's not forget the power of the cross. And so 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. The message of the cross is not just salvation. And thank God, because of what Jesus did, we can have access to the Father. Our sins are forgiven. He paid the price so we can be in heaven one day. It's not just about salvation. It is the power of God, not just to change you to get to heaven, but to empower you to walk out the life God has on the earth. So we're not just remembering our salvation in a sense, we're remembering an empowerment to help us through every single day of our life. Everything that we find on the communion tables, we'll walk through this, you'll see is reflected back or represented by the cross and the activity around the cross. And so it's important to remember that when we come to the Lord's table. It is the power of God. In other words, what happened with the cross contains power beyond just our salvation experience. And so... Um, it's, let's understand it by looking at Revelation 12.10. Let me, let me hit this, this point real quick. Revelation 12.10 through 11, New Living Translation. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, listen to these words, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Christ meaning the Messiah, the anointed one. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, the devil, has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the what? Blood of the lamb. Going back to the cross. They've defeated the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. They did not love their lives as much as they were afraid. Now listen. He said by the blood of the lamb, not only do they have salvation, did you get that? But power and authority. Do you need power and authority when you're in heaven? No. Let me, that's not a trick question. No. <laughs> you need it when you're here on the earth. So because of the blood of the lamb, 
the activity of the cross, not only do we have salvation, but we have access to power and authority while we're on the planet. And so when we partake of the Lord's table, we partake again, or we're reminding ourselves of not only our salvation, what he did for us, but the power and authority that's available to us for life on the planet. There's so much more than I think than what we realize sometimes or it becomes common to us because uh, we don't go back and just remind ourselves. So let's talk about the story real quick. Thursday night before Jesus went to the cross, he was with his disciples in the upper room to, dis- to celebrate the Passover meal. Basically, the Passover meal was established to represent the freedom of the people of God out of 400 years of bondage when they had to sacrifice a spotless lamb and spread the blood on the doorpost. And there's a lot of things associated with that. I've taught on that before. Jesus was fulfilling that with his disciples. They gathered together for the Passover meal, and then all of a sudden it began to change. In that moment, he established the Lord's Supper for us, still reflecting all of those things, but also setting up what the spotless lamb was going to provide through this. And so Jesus, after that meal, when he was finished, he washed the disciples' feet. At some point in time, Judas snuck out, betrayed him, uh, brought the, the guards to him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went to pray. He knew what he was facing, so he went to his father to connect relationally to prepare. Can I tell you there's a powerful point right there? <laughs> when you are facing something, if Jesus in facing something needed to go connect with his heavenly father to prepare for that, wouldn't it make sense for you and I? When we're facing something in our life, how important it is for us to go to our heavenly father, amen, and connect relationally to help prepare our heart for what we're about to face. Let's not wait till after the fact. Let's make it happen before we face it, amen? So Jesus gets falsely accused. He gets tried illegally. It's against Roman and Jewish law to try anybody at night. They try, in fact, he had six different trials that night. They presented evidence, tried to present evidence wrongly against him to accuse him. He was sin-free. How do you find someone, something to accuse someone who never committed a sin? <laughs> they could not do it. So the only thing they could find an accusation against is when Jesus said that he was the son, of the, God, the son of God. He was the Christ, the anointed one, son of God. And so they accused him of heresy and they said, so you're telling us that you're the Christ, the son of God, you're the anointed one? And he said, I didn't say it, but you said it, but yes. <laughs> and so, so they took him and they sentenced him to execution. Now, we know how the story goes, and most people, even if they're not church people, know about the crucifixion of Jesus. They sentenced him to death. And it was a time when execution, and let me say it this way, it was a time when execution could possibly have been the worst form of execution imaginable. I mean, think about the timing of it all. God's up in heaven, Jesus is with, there with them, the Holy Spirit, and they're looking down, and they're seeing what's happening on earth, and he sends his son, knowing he'll be executed one day, to a time when it was the most horrendous, horrific execution known to man. I mean, the Romans created the the, the most horrible execution there ever could be. Think about if Jesus came today and he was to be executed. I mean, not to belittle any of this or or compare in a sense, but what would happen to Jesus today for execution? He would die by lethal injection, not by this horrible, terrible form of execution that he died by, that he chose to come. God chose to send him at that point in time because this isn't just about the death of Jesus. This is the intentionality of what he went through for you and I, that he intentionally put himself in that time to experience some things that we would experience in in a sense, if you will, later in life so he could pay for it so you wouldn't have to go through it and it's reflected and represented in his broken body and the shed blood. And so we're going to look at a few of those things. Amen. We're going to look at a few of those things. And I know you're thinking, 
I thought this was Encounter, not Easter. <laughs> well, Easter, we don't talk about his crucifixion. We do that on Good, on Good Friday or, or, or Palm Sunday, rather. But, um, but I want you to hear the importance of what we're going to jump in here in just a minute, partake of. Now, 800 years before this happened to Jesus, the prophet Isaiah shared this. He prophesied what would happen 800 years before he saw this and he wrote four things down that what Jesus would go through at the cross that would be reflected or represented at the table through the blood and the broken body. So let's take a look at what he had to say in Isaiah 53, 5. Let's take a look at the four things the prophet Isaiah, 800 years before it happened, is showing us what Jesus went through and why so that we can walk in the freedom of them. And so here's what he said in verse 5, Isaiah 53, 5. But he, Jesus, would be pierced, in his 800-year prior prophecy, but he, would, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see four things in there. You see uh, pierced, crushed, punishment, and wounds. That Isaiah is prophesying what happened that Jesus intentionally went through for you and I. And here's what you need to know. All four of these just didn't happen to Jesus but they were for you. They were for you and I. So not only does the cross make a way to heaven, it makes a way for us to walk in freedom while we're here on the earth. So communion represents not just our salvation, but our freedom of everyday life. And so let's take a look at Jesus or those things and and what you just saw there in Isaiah 53, five, the order that I read them in as the prophecy was, is not chronological order as they happened to him. So let's look and see what happened to him chronologically in these four things. And so the first step in Roman execution was by scourging or by whipping. And so they would use a cat of nine tails. It would have a short handle to it and they'd have to take both hands to it. It had nine straps of leather and to the leather was tied a broken glass, wire, stone, and bone. Things that would just tear a man's flesh. And they would soak it in water, the nine leather straps, and soaking them in water would make them extremely heavy especially with all the things attached to them. So in the movies, when you just see a whipping, it wasn't just that, that whipping. They would, with two hands, have to take it and hit it. They would embed it in his back, and then they would yank down on it. And I'm not trying to be gory or anything today, but I want you to see the power of what we're going to partake on here in just a few minutes. And so they would pull down, and they, had, they gave 39 stripes because most people couldn't survive more than that. Many couldn't even survive that. And so they would give 13 stripes across one shoulder blade, the muscle there, 13 stripes across the other shoulder muscle, and then 13 down the middle of the back. And there's a reason for that. And so they would just whip Jesus. And it's important for us to understand this part of it, because Isaiah tells us that the whip really represents for you and I freedom in our body today. Because every stripe was for some disease, every stripe was for some infirmity that you would or could bear in your body. And he said that he'd pay the price not only for your sin, but for your sickness. In fact, 1 Peter 2.24 says this. Let's take a look, 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And look at what it says. And by his wounds, you have been healed. Amen and amen, church. By his stripes on his back, you've been healed. So you didn't have to carry those things on your back, if you will. So are you saying Jesus heals? Absolutely, Jesus heals. The great physician did not close up shop. He's still open and still healing today. Well, then why doesn't heal everybody? I have no idea. 
I have no idea why he doesn't heal any, everybody, but I do know he heals today. And so I'll pray for people, regardless of what the outcome may be. I pray for people that have gotten healed. I pray for people that I've done their funeral for. But listen, whether they're healed on the earth or healed in heaven, they're gonna get healed. He heals today. And I don't determine which one. I don't determine, I don't determine which one, but God heals. And I've seen it both ways. Whether here on the earth or in heaven, he heals. And so I believe he heals. And we're going to believe today, if you have a need in your body, when you partake of his broken body, if you will, we're going to believe for healing for you today. If you have someone come pray for you, we're believing for healing for you today. We're believing for healing for everyone that has something physically going on in their body because Jesus paid a high price in his body so you could be healed. And that's all part of it. And so when they took Jesus, they took him to a place where the, gods, the guards mocked him. They took him to a place where they just put a, put a blindfold on him and said, hey, if you're really a prophet and they're slapping him in the face, tell us, tell us who slapped you, which he easily could have done. He could have easily told him that. But he went as a lamb to the slaughter. He didn't cause any problems. And they slapped him. They mocked him they, because they, was, they called him the king of the Jews. He put a robe, a royal, they put a royal robe, purple robe on him. And then someone, while they're mocking him and slapping him in the face, was over there weaving a, a crown of thorns out of a thorn branch. And it's described as two inch two inch long thorns and they jammed the crown they jammed the crown down on his head they pushed it down on his head and so understand what happened in that moment he had obviously pain from it the bible says he had blood running down his face but again not to be gory but also understand what's happening on the inside on the inside of his head on the inside, not just the, the, the pain that would happen on the inside in the brain for the pressure and the blood in there on the inside in his mind so Isaiah saw it and said the punishment brought us peace. Where, where do we have non-peace in us? It's our mind, right? We just want some peace of mind. And I don't know how many of you today might be struggling with stress, anxiety, fear, worry, depression. Do you realize that what we partake of today is representative the peace that he brings us because of the pain he took on his head through the crown of thorns so you and I could have peace of mind? I don't know when you take communion if you ever think about it, but look at the process of him going to the cross and it says because he took that crown intentionally because he knew we would be dealing with stress, worry, anxiety, fear, and depression. So he made a way that we can have freedom in our mind. Freedom in those things. The thorns. Freedom in my mind. This is speaking to us today that are, and I, can I, I've been there. I've been, in, I've been in times of depression. I've shared this before. I've been in times, it's been several years ago, right? I just, I don't know, I had this stretch of just panic attacks, anxiety. I'd be on the front row and I'd have to go out the side door, out this door right there, going down the steps and throw up. And one time I didn't come back, but my wife found me. I'm just like, how'd you find me? And, but I mean, I'll laugh a little bit about it now, but you know what? That crown of thorns Jesus had put on his head intentionally so he could give me freedom in my mind. Help me overcome those things. Oh, I'm thankful for my salvation, but I can walk in freedom, power, and authority here on the earth. And that table represents everything, not just salvation. It represents what Jesus did so I can walk in that freedom. Listen, Jesus didn't bring you salvation so you'll go to heaven one day. He wanted you to walk in power and authority and freedom here on the earth. In fact, look at John 14, 27. It says this, peace I leave with you. He left peace with you. My peace, his peace, I give you. I don't give you as the world gives because the world's peace is based on circumstances right about us that change constantly. He gives us a peace that passes understanding. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Look at Isaiah 26.3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The communion table, if you will, the Lord's Supper. 
not only represents our salvation, but it represents freedom for our minds so we can walk in the peace of God. I don't know about you, but probably a lot of us, most of us, if not all of us, could walk in a little bit more freedom in our mind, a little bit more peace today. Well, that's what he paid for. He did that so you and I could have peace of mind. When he put on that crown, he went through pain in his head, so I'd never have to go through pain in mine. So we need to experience his peace, the peace that the world cannot give. Okay, after that, then he had to carry his own cross. That's what they would do. They'd have to carry, after all that, carry their own cross, and he carried it to Golgotha Hill. And we've been there. We've been there, and we can see all these things in my mind so vividly. And so then he had to carry his cross there. And it says that they nailed him. We know the story. And if you've ever been in church, you know the story. They, They put him on a cross, and it says they nailed his hands and feet to the cross. Well, understand In Roman days, the hand was considered the elbow to the tips of the fingers. And that's why you saw back in that day so many handshakes that weren't just handshakes. They would grab them like on the forearm. And when they put them on a cross, they wouldn't just hang them straight out like this. They'd put them in a way that they would actually have to hang there because that's part of the suffering. And so they didn't nail his hands per se, as many believe that he didn't, because they wouldn't be strong enough to bear his weight for a length of time. So they they would put him right in his wrist right there. And if you tap right there, you can feel a little sensation. And they would get there because it was stronger, and and they would be able to hold the weight there. And they'd put nails in his hands, if you will, and then in his feet. And they'd give him a bend in his knees so he wasn't able to relax, and he'd have to push up. Uh, Crucifixion was so horrible because it was really death by suffocation. He'd have to push himself up to get a breath. And that's why they... 13 stripes on each shoulder muscle. So he was unable to do that. And they gave him a bend in his knees so it just struggled so much more. So understand the, the picture here. They nailed his hands and his feet. And that's important for you and I to understand because of what it says there in uh, Isaiah. It says that he was uh, pierced for our transgressions. The nails. Freedom in my hands. You know what transgression means? The word transgressions is committing an act of, against the law, of a, con, a code of conduct. It's, it's an act that goes against a law, a rule, or a code of conduct, or an offense. So Jesus was paying for anything you would ever do with your hands and anywhere you would ever go with your feet. Freedom. And that's a big deal. Your transgressions, wherever your hands, whatever your hands would do that you shouldn't be doing, and wherever your feet would take you where you shouldn't be, Jesus paid for that. Not just our salvation, because a lot, but here's the thing. So he went beyond that. He just didn't pay for that and forgive us of that. We're thankful for forgiveness of it because a lot of us live in this sense. We're thankful for the forgiveness for what I've done with my hands and where my feet have taken me. But some of us don't think he forgets about that. But look and see what the scripture says. What's that next verse right there? Hebrews 8, 12, for I'll forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I love that. Not only has he forgiven what you do with your hands that you shouldn't do, forgive you for going where your feet should never take you. It says, I forgive you and I remember that no more. And we celebrate that, but then here's the problem. That's great. But then a lot of us can't forget. And so we may understand that he's forgiven us and we may even understand that he doesn't remember that anymore, but we will still carry the guilt and shame of that. But look what it says then in Hebrews 9, 14. Just think how much more the blood of Christ, how much more the blood of Christ will purify your conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. The blood of Christ, what was happening on the cross, which is represented in the communion table of the Lord's Supper, was not just so you could have forgiveness of what your hands would do or where your feet would take you, it's so that you can live free of guilt and shame. You don't have to walk around carrying that guilt and shame of that. 
that the enemy tries to put on you. When you partake of that, you also are partaking of the freedom and you're reminding yourself the guilt that I'm carrying is not mine. The things the enemy's trying to lie to me about is not mine. Not only has he forgiven me and forgotten, he has cleansed that from my memory. I do not have to walk in guilt and shame. I walk in freedom. All that's at the Lord's table. Not just your salvation. Not just your salvation. Isaiah said he was pierced for our transgressions, our acts, or things. And I love that picture because some of us believe that Jesus did all that, but we will still carry our guilt and our shame. But Jesus went so you can have freedom from that. And so finally at the ninth hour, the Bible says, or three o'clock in the afternoon, rather, the ninth hour, Jesus breathed his last breath. <clears throat> and to make sure, one of the guards took a spear because this is, a, this is an execution form that usually took a lot of time. They, they were probably surprised that he, he wasn't around that long because some would live days this way. And that's what the intent was. They wanted a painful end, a painful execution. So, but at three o'clock in the afternoon, he was gone. And so one of the guards, as was their tradition, would take a spear to stab it. And then what they do is they take the spear to rupture the heart. So they'd have to come up through the ribs to rupture the heart. It's typically standard tradition. It's what the Romans did. And so the Bible says, out of his side, when the spear came to pierce him, out of his size, side, the Bible says, a mixture of blood and water. Now, medical science will tell you that shows that his heart had already ruptured before they ruptured it. In other words, they didn't rupture his heart. His heart was already ruptured. And that's interesting to understand that. So the question then is, well, how did Jesus die? Blood loss? No. Pain? No. Suffocation? No. He died because his heart was broken. Now listen to this. He died because so he, he had to experience he had to experience everything we would experience in life so he could pay the price so we didn't have to carry that. And not just so we'll be in heaven one day, but so we can walk in freedom. So it says that he was crushed. He wasn't physically crushed, he was crushed in spirit. And the Bible says, in Psalm, uh, Proverbs, it says, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but crushed in spirit dries up the bones. So Jesus died of a broken heart because he had to experience, because how many of you have or have had a broken heart? <laughs> Jesus knew that would happen, so he needed to experience that. So his heart was broken, spirit was crushed. And I don't know about you, but I've had moments of a broken heart. And Isaiah says, he was crushed. I wonder how many of you here today have had a crushed heart, a crushed spirit. Maybe because of divorce, maybe a betrayal, a wayward child, death of someone too soon, a sickness, a bad report, things didn't turn out the way you thought, a business failure. He knew you'd go through that. So he had to experience that, feel it, and pay for it. So the spear represents freedom in my heart. See, he gives you healing for your body. So not just salvation, but he gives you healing for your body. He gives you peace in your mind. He gives you freedom from guilt over your hands and your feet. And he gives you your joy back. He gives you your joy back because of your broken or crushed heart. In fact, Psalms 147.3 says this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Only he can do that. So what's re represented or reflected at the communion table? We're not just, just to drink a little cup of grape juice or eat a little cracker and celebrate our salvation. That's great. But what about while you're here on the earth? What about the freedom 
that what that represents is for you to walk in while you're here. Freedom in your body. We believe in healing takes place. We'll believe that today. Freedom in your mind, peace of mind for all the struggles that we have and the battles and and freedom from guilt and shame because of the things that we've done and the places that we've been and and a healing, a restoring of, of our broken heart where joy can come back again given by God. That's what that represents. Not just our salvation in heaven. Remember, salvation, but power and authority to live the life God intends while you're here on the earth. Whenever you participate in it, whenever you partake about that, Anytime and every time. See, just as it sent you to heaven, he heals the broken heart and binds up your wounds. See, all that is found in the cross and all that is found at the Lord's table. And that's what this is all about. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.